Owen Worth is plunked on a 3-0 pitch, and that causes some hard feelings. Boy, that was uh, that was obvious for you folks at home. And you hear me all the time say, you know, that wasn't intentional. Well, this one was intentional. Why would Frank Francisco be throwing at Jason Worth? Because he's a fool. That's why. Can't say it any more than that. That's the silliest thing I've ever seen. Base open, behind in the count, nails him in the back. You know what that does? Gets one of your players hit in the next inning. Should put him up the bat next inning. Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Legends podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Michael Jennings, joined by co-host Rob Pearsall, our fearless leader. Um, Rob, how are we doing today, man? Doing good. Doing good. Um, it was a lovely day in New York. Um, I'm hanging out. I am ready to take a trip down memory lane once again. Uh, and kind these are the best. These are these are these are the foundation of Mets Legends lore. Yes. This is what we were doing when we first started this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And always fun to do these kind of episodes. Um, so last week, um, I talked about because it was it was the ten year anniversary of when the Mets made like a flurry of signings um, in 2011, um, where they traded Angel Pagan to the to the Giants for outfielder Andres Torres and reliever Ramon Ramirez, and then they signed John Roush and Frank Francisco to bolster their bullpen bolster in quotes <laughs> <Yeah>. obviously <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and so i wanted to i so, saw so the, the the big interesting thing for me there's a lot because all three of these guys had these like separate things like angel pagan obviously mm -hmm. went on to win two world series with the, with the giants john roush is like perhaps best known in his time for new york for dumping that bucket of ice water on Matt Harvey in the clubhouse <laughs> yeah. and Harvey like challenged him to a fight and John Roush who's like 6'11 like back <laughs> down from the fight um I mean I feel like Harvey could have just like went for his legs and like Roush would have been done um but apparently he like ruined Harvey's phone it's like that's just like that's just like like why why would you do that like I understand like rookies get hazed a little bit but like that's just like not right like yeah you like yeah. the guy was like sleeping and has phone on his chest and he dumps a bucket of ice water on him in the clubhouse like um but Frank Francisco to me is like the most interesting one just because like he was only he was on the Mets for 2012 and 2013 he signed a two-year deal with them and he like he wasn't very good but he also wasn't very good ever like he had one really good year in his career Mm -hmm. you know i guess he was okay for like this was kind of like before like the analytics revolution had really boomed like teams still had info like like it wasn't like it was like you know like the the dead ball era of baseball or like you know before the internet where there wasn't all this information available but like yeah. he was never like a really sexy name um he had some good years with the rangers in the late 2000s so like 2008, he had 1.5 wins above replacement according to fan graphs, which is good. Especially um, which for is a really, reliever. Really like good. That's, yeah. It's pretty solid. That's like what Aaron Loop, like I think I think Loop had like 1.7 this year for the Mets. Um, yeah. You know, so he, and then he had 25 saves in 2009. Um, 2010, 
1.1. So those three years, like 2008 through 2010, he was pretty good. He had 3.6 wins above replacement. So I guess I kind of understand this why is, the Mets were interested in him. Definitely interested, but I, like I remember this was like the quote-unquote big fish of the offseason in, yeah. in 2011. was like, oh, the Mets signed Frank Francisco. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be the closer and he's going to be good. And, you know, it's, it's insane to look back at this era of of Mets history because like that's who we're getting excited about in 2011 was Frank effing Francisco yeah well (laughs) if you remember man like like now it's like we're kind of just spoiled and like yeah like you know quickly spoiled quickly spoiled like like you know I think and I think a lot of people even forget about Francisco Lindor sometimes like yeah because I I guess because it wasn't like a like a free agent signing but like that's a huge move, man. Like, and like, I feel like it's yeah. kind of just like taking a back burner to like Scherzer now, um, or backseat to Scherzer. But back then, yeah, it's like they got Frank Francisco, which cost them all of like probably less than twenty million dollars for two years. Yeah. And you were like, and that that was the big fish, like you said. But like so, like for so many of those years, like those off seasons were so brutal because it was mm-hmm. like they did nothing at all. Like they did yeah. nothing for, for like four years. Like I mean, the off seasons were the worst. Yeah. 2011. Like they also brought back Mike Baxter, which was great. <laughs> like yeah. he was granted. They signed Chris Capuano. Yeah. They signed Sweet. Chris Capuano to a one year deal and yeah. he had a, he had a good four ERA. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, it was like guys like Omar Quintanilla were signed. You yeah. Know? And like, yeah. It was raw. Like, can you name any really good signing from like 2010 to like 2013? Like, I can't. From a from like a free agent standpoint, no, because yeah. the the strategy wasn't free agents at all. It was building through the system, which yeah. like the Mets had some decent talent in the system at that time for sure. They did. They did. But Jordani Valdespin. Jordani Valdespin. Uh, <laughs> you know, Francisco Martinez uh carlos gomez carlos gomez carlos gomez before that but yeah yes um but yeah i mean like i don't know it was just weird it was a weird time because uh you know i remember being i guess 16 at the time thinking like oh cool frank francisco yeah i I know that name (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i remember getting (laughs) I remember getting excited when the Mets traded for Kelly Shopik in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh, it's Kelly Shopik, that's dope." You know, it's like, yeah. I really how bad. Ben... Oh, sorry, speaking go ahead. Of, speaking of like random, you know, revisionist or you know, hindsight being 2020 on on a move that I was like way too excited about was Devin Maserato. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome." He's a solid catcher. He'll be good. <laughs> I was stoked about that too, especially like because Harvey at that point, it's like you knew he wasn't like gonna ever reclaim like mm. what he once was. Yeah. And Devin Mesoraco, like he had some good years with the Reds too, you know? Yeah, yeah, he did. And then the Mets decided that like they were gonna just like field the whole like Reds team. They had like Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, and Devin Mesoraco. <laughs> like yeah. it's like we had so many Reds on the team for no reason. Yeah. Um, and we know it worked out for them so well. So the Mets were like, no, oh, that's a good winning model. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Frank Francisco, um, 
the Mets like doled out like like a lot of money for him, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I guess the Will Punts were like, "Yeah, we did a good job. Um, <laughs> the fans are gonna love him." You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta try to find like a Frank Francisco shirt. I wonder if they ever made them. Um, a jersey? Yeah, like like a Frank Francisco jersey. Oh, oh, I bet you they did. There's definitely some out there. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about him specifically because he's like he was like kind of wild, like. Mm-hmm. So we looked at his numbers. He had some decent, you know, years with the Rangers. And I guess I was a little bit harder on him. Like in my, in the last podcast, like he had some good years. Um, the Mets signed him coming off a year where he was like, not great with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, like he had 0.4 um, F4. Um, and then they were also signing him as a 32 year old. He had 23 saves for the Mets in his first year. Um his strikeout percentage is like had kind of fallen at that point a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he, this up, was, I was this was at, also at a time when, um, and we were kind of talking about this before the podcast too. This was at a time when relievers were starting to become so crucial uh, to a team's success that like going out and, you know, doling out more money for a reliever than really had ever been done before was becoming commonplace. Um so, which is why, looking back as a 16-year-old, I was like, okay, all right, Frank Francisco, like, okay. Um, yeah, and, and now it's like, you know, like, obviously, like Aaron Loop got a really big payday um, from the Angels. Um, but you look at kind of, like, what the Rays do with, like, their bullpen, and it's kind of like they find these guys that are more like diamonds in the rough and, like, make them into relievers. Uh, they I mean, like, Colin, strengths. Like, yeah. Like that's that I think that's what sets them apart so much is that they find something that someone is really good at and they make it better to the point where they're they become like an Aaron Loop. Um, yeah, they, they I mean, form wipeout. Former Met uh, Colin McHugh had a great year with the with the yeah. with the Rays this past year. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at guys like Peter Fairbanks and. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the other guy? Andrew Kittredge. Like those are guys that are like yeah. they got these like very minor moves. Um, and they ended up being like really crucial parts of their bullpen. So mm-hmm. now it's like kind of changed a little bit. Like I think relievers are still really prized, but like maybe like in a little bit of a different way. Um mm-hmm. well the volatility okay. I think is being recognized more now than it was then. Like yeah, I feel like track record was a little bit more relied upon back in 2011. Um Whereas now it's, it's more like what stuff does this guy have and how can we make it better? I think is, is kind of the difference in approach. Which is like what kind of makes the Edwin Diaz trade from a couple of years ago, like even more perplexing, like where it's like, that's how like behind the Mets were, where it's like they were trading mm. like these commodities for a closing pitcher, like in the year 2018, yeah. you know? And it's like, it doesn't really make much sense why did you give up a valuable that a valuable bat in Jared Kalnick for I mean I guess like they got Cano too but like even still it doesn't excuse the deal um yeah I mean that I, I understand why that that deal is still seen as a disaster uh but we haven't seen what Jared Kalnick is going to pan out to be and yeah ultimately you know Edwin Diaz is still pretty young um yeah I think he's, he's like has, 27 yeah he can I do think there's still an elite closer in there somewhere. <laughs> um, he just needs he just needs the the support and the and the right sort of coaching to get him to a point where he can be. Because the thing that I noticed about Diaz, and I've said this on the podcast before, 
is that, you know, you can tell what kind of outing he's going to have within his first five pitches. Um, yeah, it's true. If, if he's missing high and away to a right-handed hitter, he's going to walk three guys and be in a jam. Um, if he's nipping at the corners with 101, 102, then he's, he's, it's going to be a one, two, three, two strikeouts, like, you know, and a weak ground ball. Um, I just wonder what Diaz, I wonder what Diaz if like, like, I think that like, it's probably best for him. Like he might just need to not pitch in New York. Like he might like, he might need to go somewhere. I know it's such a cliche at this point. I, I know it is, but I think that he needs to go somewhere where he's a little bit out of the spotlight where he kind of has a fresh slate because yeah. I, like, I know, I know Met, there are Mets fans that like him. Like they love when he comes into blaster jacks, but I think that a lot of fans like unfairly that, that was hold it against Spotify him. top 100 this year was that song. Oh, it's a great song. It's a great <laughs> song. It slaps. I listened to it all summer. Um, but I think that like fans will always kind of like unfairly hold it against him that like they treat, they got him the Jared Kalnick deal. And it's not yeah, his fault. It's not his yeah. fault at all. But I feel like there's this pressure to perform that I'm sure he feels because he was the prized like return in that deal. Um, and he just yeah. hasn't really honed in on that success that he had with the Mariners. Um, but anyway, this is about Frank Francisco today. I know we've already. So I want like to get back to that. Off of Frank Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> See what he does. See what he does to us. So I want to talk about like an incident that happened before he was even a Met. So when he was on the Texas Rangers earlier in his career, so he was um, he was a rookie when this happened in 2004. So he was. Uh, he was like a 25 year old and the Rangers were playing a game uh, against the Oakland A's uh, in, uh, in Oakland, I believe it was um, maybe not though. It, it doesn't say I could, it's not really important regardless, but um, basically fellow reliever on the Rangers, Doug Brokell started arguing with a fan and excuse me, Frank Francisco, uh, like joined in, <laughs> like he was in the dugout when this was happening. Um, and the, and this was going on like at the bullpen, like, mm. so like he was in the dugout, saw this happening, oh, ran from the dugout to the bullpen with a folding chair, threw it into the crowd. I guess where like the scrum was hit a woman in the face with the folding chair she needs, she breaks her nose. She needs stitches. And then Frank, and then he gets arrested. He what got arrested psycho. after this. Yeah. Yeah. He pleaded no contest to the charges. He was sentenced to anger management classes and a work program. Uh, there was a civil suit uh, brought upon by the woman who was struck by the chair and it was settled in 2007. Um, there was an undisclosed amount payment given to her. Um, and I guess the Rangers or Francisco, had a public um, apology. Um, he got suspended for the rest of the season after that too. So that happened in uh, September. So it wasn't even like it was like that long of a suspension. Like the season was practically it, over anyway. Did it carry over into the following season? Because when you look at his, you know, baseball reference page, he has 45 games in 2004 and then no games in 2005. Did he get hurt or something? He actually underwent Tommy John surgery. Oh, okay. So he like after that happened, then he missed all of 2005 with Tommy John and he came back in 06. Like nothing ever happened. He was like throw a fan at the chair. Not me. He didn't actually say that, but that is um, bizarre. Yeah. Um, 
So that was like that was like one thing. And like then you you kind of saw these blow-ups like within Mets too. Like like there's like that. I posted it on the Mets Legends Twitter account recently where he like throw like after an, an inning, like he blew a save or whatever, he goes back to the dugout and like throws the cooler, throws like the water cooler, like you know, and obviously, like, you know, these guys are professionals, they're competitive, like those mm. these, these things happen, but you can see even from like that incident that happened before years before this, you know, the guy has some sort of anger, you know, like problems. What's what's weird about that clip when he's like throwing the water cooler around is like he's really trying hard not to. Like yeah, he's like you can he's see, like gripping it. Yeah, <laughs> you can see him like like do yeah. like that like that like five-year-old like anger face like yeah. and then yeah. he does it anyway <laughs> and you know what's funny about that too is that he like so he like the first i think i guess he went to throw like the like like those big like ice coolers down mm-hmm. and like i guess the lid came off like while he was throwing it down so it like slips out of his it's hand like almost like it looks really everywhere. pathetic yeah. yeah it looks like really <laughs> pathetic and then he takes like the water cooler and throws it down but it's like yeah. it makes it like oh, that much funnier that he like missed on like the first attempt to throw it down like yeah, after yeah. he was like battling in his mind yeah um and then so you know i had brought this up to you before the podcast um this moment with henry mejia and like i remembered hearing about this back then i didn't like remember exactly what happened um because it was so long ago at this point this is from 2013 so in 2013 Frank Francisco pitched pitched in only eight games for the Mets, I think, that year. Um, mm-hmm. That was which was the second year of his deal. And by the way, the deal was two years, twelve million. So he was getting paid six million annually. Which I don't know. I guess if you like, if you like, ex- like bring that to present day, like maybe like a two year, seventeen million dollar deal. I don't know. Um, yeah, but decent amount like for that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was bringing this up to you. So I found this article from Metsmerize, which I used to write for, um, you know, for a long time. Um, it's like the picture, it's like this picture, the first picture of the article is like Frank Francisco, like, <laughs> like wiping his, his face with like his Jersey. And definitely looks I just like love he's the- sniffing though. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and the caption is stop sniffing yourself, Frank. We all know you stink, which I just think is funny. Um, <laughs> So this is from 20, July 31st, 2013. This article was published in Metsmerized. Um, and it links back to an Andy Martino article when he was with the Daily News. Um, and it talks about how uh, Frank Francisco, I guess he was uh, on the disabled list at this point when it's still called the disabled list. Um, he, I guess, had seen Henry Mejia, who was young at that point. He must have mm-hmm. been like in his second year with the Mets, maybe third year with the Mets. Um, Francisco apparently told Henry Mejia to remain in Port St. Lucie to collect his major league DL money during the rehab process rather than work his way back by playing in minor league games. So like he was basically just like enabling him to like, just like, yeah. like not like play. Um, and Mejia, you're right. He was, he was 23 years old at that point. So probably pretty yeah impressionable to impressionable like, yeah to to a um you know to a veteran like like francisco you know he'd probably be like oh okay so the thing is though mejia actually didn't listen to francisco oh so he actually instead he took steroids t- <laughs> instead he took steroids and got suspended from <laughs> baseball forever uh 
He's like, no, thanks, Frank. I'm actually going to do steroids <laughs> instead. Um, but it says the team source told Martino that Mejia opted to tune out Francisco and instead work his way back to the majors, um, which I respect. I guess maybe maybe he was afraid to like listen to Francisco. Like he was 23, yeah. so like maybe he was like, I just want to do the right thing here. But that's like pretty shitty that that oh totally Frank Francisco said that. It's like it's yeah. like you're a veteran and like if anything else, it's like you should be setting a positive example for like the younger players instead of being like mm-hmm. a lazy pos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I you know, and I think that kind of just sums up like the like the Frank Francisco era in Queens and like kind of just set like that's like what I always think about with him too, is just like, man, he just like he just like really didn't try to like, you know, it just it's just like it kind of sucks. It's like, you know, yeah. it's very it's very telling of that era of Mets baseball though. Yeah, for sure. And when you look back at that that team too in 2013, I mean like this was kind of when I feel like things maybe started to turn around a little bit um, like building more toward like that 2015 team. Uh, Cause you had, you had a young Matt Harvey who <laughs> posted a five war that season, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, and he missed time too. Cause he got Tommy John at the end of the year. So like he probably yeah. would have even put up more. Yeah. Like this was, this was a pretty talented team despite having Omar Quintanilla play the most games at shortstop out of anyone else. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but also like well, you they called up Ruben Tejada, who was like mm-hmm. a, a prospect, like a true prospect at that time. Uh, a young Lucas Duda as well, who played in, in 2012 in uh, uh, 2013. So yeah, so I mean, Ruben Tejada, he was he because he came up young too. He was like, mm-hmm. I know that in 2012 he had taken over the shortstop duties for the most part because Reyes was gone at that point, and right. I remember Tejada got off to that really hot start. Yeah. Um, but he was still probably only like 22 at that point, maybe mm-hmm. 23. Yeah, it's 23. Um, uh, yeah, Lucas Duda was young. I mean, Ike Davis was kind of on his way out at that point. I think they had traded him. Oh, they traded him the next year. The legend of John Buck was that year where he got off that ridiculous start. Marlon Bird. He had a, Marlon they traded Bird. both of those guys to the Pirates for uh, Dilson Herrera and Vic Black. <laughs> <laughs> But that was also, I think that was also Dylan G's one of like one of his better years. Mm-hmm. Um, John Neese, I think, had a good year that year. Yeah, Zach Wheeler as well. Um, <laughs> Wheeler debuted in Atlanta. Right. Like him, him and Harvey pitched like the the ends of the that uh, doubleheader in Atlanta. Harvey mm-hmm. got like the first game, and Wheeler got the second game. Yeah, and that was, I mean, I, I remember that. I remember that time being so excited. Um, yeah. Just from just from a pitching standpoint of who they had. Um, you know, despite starting the season with with the the arms that they had, I feel like they they ended up pretty solid as the year went on. Was, I mean, like even Jeremy Hefner was on that team, and he was just like your solid number five guy. Was Best Mike Peltry on Malcolm. that team still? Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. He was gone, I guess, in 2012. Yeah, I'm not seeing his name on the on the Baseball Reference page, but yeah, um, but Sean, he might have been Markham, in the White Sox. Yeah, you know? who his birthday is uh, was this week. Yeah, so happy belated birthday to Sean. Happy Markham. belated birthday to Sean Markham. Um, I know we did a graphic on him, so that was just on my mind. Yeah, and the back end um, of this bullpen, as you know, as maybe not great as they were. Um, Latroy Hawkins was very good that season. He was. I um, for, I always forget about him. He was good that year. Yeah, and Bobby. And I know he was good in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Parnell, Parnell was in his, that was maybe prime his best year. Yeah, 
uh and then scott rice and scott atchison oh my <laughs> god scott atchison <laughs> yeah. scott out scott atchison used a spalding glove it's like they just picked the guy out from like <laughs> like like whitestone and told him to come pitch god he was the worst scott atchison <laughs> Scott Rice, really nice guy, though. He was actually the first player interview I ever did. Um, oh, cool. I, like, reached out to him on Twitter, and he got back to me. And I, like, always liked his story because he was that guy that – he was in the minor leagues for so long, and he finally made the Mets opening day roster, I think, in 2013. And, and uh, Yeah, that's awesome, man. I yeah. love players like that. He's, like, such a quintessential Mets legend. Yeah. Like, he's really, like, very, very much a Mets legend for that. Mm-hmm. He, I, I feel like he he deserves more um, more praise, especially from from people like us, who yeah. that's, that's our whole focus is on is on guys like Scott Rice. Like, uh, you know, good for that dude. He was like the Pedro Feliciano after Pedro Feliciano. That's right. Rest in yeah. peace to Pedro. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, so crazy, man. I was thinking about that today. So sad. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story of Frank Francisco, man. What are your thoughts on all that? Just another psycho in Mets history. Um, you know, we've, we've covered a few. Um, and, I mean, just what a weird time. Like, I can't imagine at this point, uh, you know, with, with the new ownership and the new direction the club is going, like, ever being excited about a Frank Francisco-type signing. Um, two years, $17 million in today's money, probably, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah like i can't imagine looking at that and being like oh nice yeah (laughs) yeah i'd be like what the hell is this why why did we do this yeah it's kind of like a batansis type type deal honestly like that's kind of what he got that's Um, true that really hasn't panned out um but yeah frank francisco man not thinking about you today buddy yeah have a have a very pleasant fuck off <laughs> yeah <laughs> with but let's cleanse our palate which Mets legends are we thinking about today um i don't know if this counts because it it may or may not happen but he's still a Mets legend regardless um looking back at that 2013 team just scrolling down the list i'm gonna pick jerry's familia 23 year old jerry's familia Pitched in nine games that year, and yeah, uh, he was young back then. He he came up really young as well. And I think I think people need to look fondly on the if this is the end of Jerry's time in New York for good. Um, I think people need to look back fondly. I think on his time as a Met because he provided a lot of uh, a lot of stability in the bullpen for as volatile as he is. Um, he was. I think he was generally on the good side of, uh, of things. I mean, especially when the Mets were in the world series in 2015, like yeah. 2015, 2016, he was really one of the best closers. He was in baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he has always had a tenacity to like give up those like cheap, like bloopers or like infield singles. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. There's really like something like a way to equate that. Like it might just be bad luck. Un- um, unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I have a, I have a sneaky feeling he's going to be back, but Me too. as that's of why, right now, that's like, why I have so many, you know, like comedy. I would not be surprised at all if he's back. Um, I would love. Like, he's just one of those guys that's like, it's kind of like a Pedro Feliciano type situation. It's like where he yeah. like 
went to the Yankees for a bit, and he was back with the Mets. Yeah. Like, like he was with the Mets, then he played overseas, then he came back to the Mets, then he was a Yankee, then he was a Met. Like, yeah. familiar, it's like he's a Met, then he was an A for a brief time, and now he'll be, like, you know, I could see him being a Met again. Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really try to dig deep for a Mets legend here. Let's see. Hmm. I'm just going to go with the first guy that came to my mind, and that is Jeremy Reed. Jeremy, Jeremy Reed. Reed. Outfielder Jeremy Reed. He had the flow. He had like the long hair, if I remember, like se- semi long hair. Yeah. Um, I think he came over in the JJ Putz deal. I think we got like Jeremy Reed. The Mets got Jeremy Reed at JJ Putz in that same deal. Let me, let me see. Look it was it a three team trade. And I think it was, I think it was the Mets traded Jason Vargas his first time with the Mets, mm-hmm. Aaron Heilman, Andy Chavez. Mike Carp, Mike Carp was in that deal, and then the Mets got back Jeremy Reed and puts, and then there was a third team involved. Whoa, this is nuts! This is a crazy trade. Yeah, yeah this, let's, is, let's this, is a, this is a three-team trade with the Indians and the Mariners. Uh, so, Sean Green and JJ puts, and Jeremy Reed, reliever Sean Green, not yeah, reliever Sean, Sean Green. Green, right? Uh, to the Mets. Then the Mariners sent Luis Valbuena to the Indians, and the Mets sent Mike Carp, Ezekiel Carrera, Andy Chavez, Michael Cleto, Aaron Heilman, and Jason Vargas. What? That's a Mariners. huge trade. That is That's massive. a huge trade. Yeah. And I remember Joe being Smith, really stoked to get him. But Joe Smith, who I was bummed about being part of this trade because uh, I really Me liked too. him. Me Joe too. Smith went to the Indians. And then Franklin Gutierrez went to the Mariners from the Indians. That's a, I wonder. I always wonder how like three team trades go down. Like what? Yeah. Like, how do you even like? How do you even like go about that? Like yeah. How does that like you got you have you know two GMs talking to each other and they're like actually you know what let me just call <laughs> like let's, let's <laughs> we call them in, let's yeah. bring in you know I don't know who's a GM doesn't let's matter. bring in uh uh <laughs> like like uh perry and minasian or whatever yeah yeah i guess it's like it kind of helps like maybe like you get like like some assets move around that you don't have and it kind of like helps the deal a little bit like because sure. like the indians in that deal were like not very prominent like but they was, did I don't get joe smith out of it who has been a solid reliever like his whole career oh he went to cleveland in that deal yeah. he yeah. didn't go to who went to seattle heilman Andy Hot. Chavez. So yeah, it's Carp, Carrera, Chavez, Cleto, Heilman, Vargas, and Vargas, and Franklin Gutierrez. From the wow, that's a big, it's a big trade. That was a massive haul for the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, seriously, that was kind of like the that was almost kind of like the like the Mets Mariners trade from the Cano trade. Like there was a yeah. lot of there pieces a lot involved of in that too. Yeah, like Jay Bruce, right. Anthony Swarzak, Justin yeah. Dunn, Jared Kalanick, yeah. and Gerson Batista. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Jeremy Reed, he was in that deal. He was in correct. that deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Jeremy Reed, that's who. That's who I'm remembering today. Sounds good. Cool. We should do All a right. deep dive on on the history between Mariners and Mets because there's a lot there. <laughs> That'd be a good. That would be a good podcast episode. I'm definitely down to do that. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. And with right, that, stay tuned for that, guys. We're out. Yeah, see you guys. See you guys next week. See ya.